Welcome back to another exciting episode of Mr. Cornwell's Corner. Mr. Cornwell's corner. Be sure to smash that subscribe button and hit that like button so I can continue to make more great content based on American history. And don't forget to ring that bell. Today's episode is going to focus on Jamestown or the beginning of what becomes the United States of America. Jamestown or Virginia, where it's located, was founded by the British. It's the first permanent British settlement in North America. It was founded in 1607. When it says first permanent, it was not the first attempt by Great Britain to settle North America. It was just the first one that succeeded. About 20 years earlier, they attempted to settle in Roanoke, which is today in North Carolina, and that's known as the Lost Colony because they didn't make it, didn't survive. What The difference between Jamestown and Roanoke, or previous English attempts to settle North America, is the first couple attempts didn't find a way to make money, whereas Jamestown, as you'll see in this episode, definitely found a way to make money. So who was behind the founding of Jamestown? Well, the easy answer is the Virginia Company. The Virginia Company was a group of wealthy English businessmen who put up the money. They signed a charter or an agreement with King James. The problem King James had is he was claiming large tracts in North America in 1600, but he didn't really have the capital, the funds, the money to settle it. This is known as the era of colonization. And England, like many European nations, France, Spain, the Portuguese, the Dutch, they were trying to send their citizens abroad to claim land in the New World and resource the New World for the mother country. James really wants to get in on the act, but he didn't have the money to do that. He signs an agreement with what's known as the Virginia Company, which is a group of wealthy investors. The king's going to give them the land grant, and they're going to pay for everything else. They're going to pay for the equipment. They're going to pay for the boats, the food, the resources to recruit people. They're going to go to North America and try to settle under the British flag. What these guys want, the Virginia Company, what King James want, is they want instant return on their money, like present day hitting the lottery, a lottery ticket. So they're hoping for precious metals, gold, more than anything else. If they can find gold, it'll make them instantly wealthier. And same for England. So that's really what they're doing over here is Jamestown was founded in 1607 to make a profit. Now, you probably guessed by now they didn't find a lot of gold, which is true, but they found other ways to make money. What saves Jamestown early on? What separates Jamestown from previous English attempts? And one short answer, it's a blessing and a curse, is tobacco. Tobacco is one of the biggest exports in the 15-1600s. And at this time, Spain has a monopoly on the worldwide tobacco. Where Jamestown is located, it is on the coast of, of Virginia. And it's right off Chesapeake and up a little river called the James River. So it's soil, which is kind of swampy in areas. It's climate, the temperature around there, all the conditions in Jamestown are perfect for growing tobacco. So once the English, under John Rolfe, bring tobacco to Jamestown, it really flourishes. 
that within a few years, the tobacco coming out of Jamestown is better than the Spanish tobacco. It becomes the world's best tobacco. And Jamestown is why the Virginia keep, company keeps investing money, or excuse me, um, tobacco is why the Virginia company keeps reinvesting money and ultimately turns a profit. The reason Jamestown makes it, or Roanoke and other attempts didn't, is a sustainable cash crop, which is tobacco. It's the first biggie. It's 100 years before King Cotton. So tobacco is the first sustainable cash crop that really saves Jamestown early on. The negative side of tobacco is it requires a lot, and I mean a lot of labor. And this is before the Industrial Revolution, so labor is done by hand. So it puts a a tremendous strain on the labor system. The first attempt to solve this is with indentured servants. These are poor people from England and Africa and other parts, mainly from England, that wanted to come to the New World but couldn't afford their own way. So therefore, they had signed a contract to come over and agree to work with someone. Somebody else would pay their way. They would agree to work on somebody else's property for a set period of years, three years, five years, seven years. At the end of their contract, they would hopefully be given land or their own land. So indentured servitude was the first attempt to settle the labor needs created by tobacco, but it did not fill the bill. As you've probably guessed by now, over the 17th century, the 1600s, indentured servitude kind of morphs into slavery, which ultimately settles the labor needs in North America for tobacco and cotton later on. So think of it this way. Slavery is much more of an evolution than a revolution. It takes about 100 years for slavery to develop in the United States, slavery as, as we know it today. So let's take a short break, and I want you to enjoy this little ditty. See if you can guess the name of this song. song, as some of you may have guessed, is an early American colonial rendition of Pop Goes the Weasel. That's why it sounded so familiar. Before the break, we were discussing tobacco and makes Jamestown profitable, but it also eventually leads to the institution of slavery in North America and in the United States. Now, the good side of tobacco is by 1624, Jamestown is doing well enough that the king of England cancels the charter with the Virginia Company. He disbands the Virginia Company, which tells you in 17 years, from 1607 to 1624, Jamestown is making enough money, profit, off tobacco that the king no longer wants to share those profits or those revenue with the Virginia Company. He doesn't need them, so he disbands them. So within the first two decades, Jamestown really make or tobacco makes Jamestown a profitable venture for England. Now the settlement there eventually grows into the colony of Virginia and becomes the leading colony from the 1600s all the way up through the Revolutionary War. By the time we get to the Revolutionary War in the 1770s, Virginia is the largest colony, has the most amount of people, and also has the most amount of slaves. It's not a coincidence that four of the first five presidents come from the state of Virginia. George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, James Madison, and James Monroe. Those four all come from Virginia. So Virginia is like really the key early state, colony, then state. 
And um, Virginia's government was set up a little different, but it was based on the English system of government. Okay, And it is known as the House of Burgesses. The House of Burgesses was created in Jamestown in 1619 to help govern the colony of Jamestown. Now, Burgess is an old English word. What it means literally is House of Representatives, or Burgess is a representative. It's an old English word we don't use, and it means representative. So when you think House of Burgess, think House of Representatives, part of our Congress today that makes the laws, that's the same thing that the House of Burgesses did. So the House of Burgesses kind of governed Virginia. They were all under the King of England back in England, but the king never came to Virginia or North America. The House of Burgesses was elected by the citizens, and they ruled in conjunction with a colonial governor governor who was handpicked by the king and sent over to govern. Who could vote on the House of Burgesses? When we begin this course, when I say everybody politically, who I'm really talking about is all white male landowners. Land is considered wealth, so today it would be all white men who are wealthy. So the three real qualifications to vote in Jamestown or to hold office in Jamestown is white male landowner. The House of Burgesses rules from 1619 all the way up through its disband- disbanded in 1775 right on the eve of the American Revolution. You know several members of the House of Burgesses. You just don't know that they were members of the House. A young George Washington was a member of the House of Burgesses. His older brother, Lawrence, dies, and Washington gets his spot. That's how he joins the House of Burgesses. A young Thomas Jefferson is a member of the House of Burgesses. And very famously, Patrick Henry, you probably know him for his speech, give me liberty or give me death speech. He was also a member of the House of Burgesses. So we're going to listen, take a short commercial break. We'll listen to an excerpt of Patrick Henry's famous Give Me Liberty or Give Me Death speech, and we'll be back in 30 seconds. What is it the gentlemen wish? What would they have? Is life so dear or peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery? Forbid it, almighty God! I know not what course others may take, but as for me, give me liberty or give me death. Housing words by Patrick Henry. He was talking about freedom or dying under the British tyrannical government as he saw it. Those that knew Patrick Henry, he's really known as the best orator of the day or public speaker, but he's also known by the people that knew him well that he didn't always do his homework, that sometimes he relied too much on his oratory gifts, that he wasn't always the most prepared person. But that speech was given in March of 75, about a month before Lexington and Concord and the beginning of the American Revolution. We covered a few main topics today on the founding of Jamestown, which grows into the colony of Virginia. It was founded. It's the first permanent British settlement in 1607. It's still there. It was founded by the Virginia Company, and it was saved early on by tobacco, which makes Jamestown profitable, but it also eventually leads to slavery in Jamestown, Virginia, and eventually the United States. And Jamestown was ruled by the House of Burgesses, which is an elected body of white male landowners, and they ruled together with a colonial governor who was handpicked and sent over by the King of England. That was from early on all the way up through until the American Revolutionary War. All right, so I hope you enjoyed this 
quick but informative discussion on Jamestown and be back next time to join us. We'll set sail and go a little further north. We'll talk about the Puritans in Massachusetts. I will see you next week. Enjoy some more revolutionary music. Thank you for listening to another exciting episode of Mr. Cornwell's Corner. Be sure to hit that like button, subscribe, and ring that bell so you never miss another episode. See you next time. I am Blaine Jaffe, the voice of the intro and exit for Mr. Cornwell's Corner. Thank you for listening.